Good morning, New Life. You know, back in the day, I used to have a little button that said, uh, I'm humble and proud of it, <laughs> just as a joke, you know. But uh, anyway, so uh, no, Jeff said that I, I need to change my title to be um, Backup Bum, is what he said with my beard. So that's all right, whatever. Don't matter to me. We'll get you me, give me a shirt. All right. Uh, I'm, I appreciate Doug again asking me to uh, come preach for him while they were out of town for the week. And so uh, I always, uh, I'm humbled by that. I appreciate him giving me that opportunity. I always want to be a blessing to you, a blessing to the Lord. So I, I really hope that today's uh, message will speak to all of our hearts. Amen. About uh, some, something I think we all kind of share, I guess, a burden. And that is, I want to talk about the sin of pride. The sin of pride. Now, if you... Um, if you know a little bit, in our church, we have this like um, personality test you take, or it kind of has your personality. And not getting into, you know, there's different um, names for them, but we, we always know them by the colors. In our group, we always talk about the color. We've got the red, which is power and control. You've got yellow, which is the outgoing life of the party. You've got the green, which I'm a green, which is low-key, laid-back, Right. And then lazy, <laughs> and then uh, and then you got the blue. To me, the blue is blue's the hardest because but they're they're more about um, everything being kind of perfect, and they're they're again more silent type uh, is the blue. So, and you, you tend to think about pride, which is red power and control. That that those reds would have more struggle with this. But you know what? You know, Pride is a sin in which, uh, no matter what personality you might be, we all kind of struggle with. So it's not kind of predominantly one kind of person. Um, like the characteristics that make up humanity, you got love, hate, right, desire, anger, all those things. You know, th- those can be th- those can be good. You, know, you have you have righteous love, and then you have unrighteous love. You have righteous anger, and you have unrighteous anger. You have righteous uh, desire. An unrighteous desire. So the same is kind of believing it with pride. There is a pride that the Bible talks about that's actually okay. It's actually not bad. It talks about in Ecclesiastes chapter number 5. It says there that the, the writer said in Ecclesiastes 5, 18 through 19, he says, uh, Here is what I have seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life. Now, here's the key right here, which God gives him. See, he recognizes that God's in all that. All that he has, all that he does, all that he can do, he recognizes that it's God. It's because of God. For it is his heritage. For as every man to whom God, there again, God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, to uh, receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. There is nothing wrong with the uh, of, of that, that pride that you have, that good righteous pride, when your little kid hits that home run and you feel good. You know, all that hard work that you put into batting and throwing the ball, you know, maybe that job that you were working at and all those hours you put in and, and what you were working on comes through and everybody's, man, good job, and you have that Good feeling that, man, I, I worked hard, and by the grace of God, God, you know, got this through. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. The feeling of accomplishing something through hard labor and work and effort. Giving God his due glory. But the, but the problem comes in 
is when um, it comes really about ourselves, about you know what I can do and how I look and what people think about me. I like this definition I find I found on Bible study tools. Uh, the definition of pride it says this: pride is a high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority, whether as cherished in the mind or as displayed in conduct, whether craving accomplishments, fearing our own image, or entertaining or overly critical view of ourselves, pride can be both glaringly obvious and deceptively sneaky. So pride... Pride. Do you struggle with pride? I struggle with pride. I think we all do. Now, here's some questions I like to, uh, this one particular site I found, some questions we should ask ourselves. Here's a question, you know, first question, kind of ask yourself, think to yourself, how am I? am, Am I in competition with others? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, uh, you know, basketball court and or playing a game, playing a game, you know, which we're going to do tonight, and I'm going to win again. And, you know, that, that friendly competition, I don't mean it when I say I hate you, it's just all in fun, right? But, to, but are, are you in competition with others? You know, the kind of car they have? kind of house they have, kind of job, the money they make? Do you feel I have, no, I have to be self-sufficient? I have to do it all on my own. I've got to do this. This is me. Nobody else can help me. I've got to do it. Do you struggle with self-image? And there's a lot there in self-image. It's not just, you know, that, that you think yourself is maybe not attractive. That's not what he was talking about. What is the image that you want others to think of you when they see you? What's the image you're trying to portray? It's not necessarily that, you know, your unibrow or your flat foot, right? It's not what it's talking about. It's uh, how do you want people to perceive you? You want people to perceive you to be spiritual? So... uh, you don't say bad words around people you know you go to church with. You want people to perceive that you love God, you're successful in your Christian walk, so you put up your posts and things and all that so people can see you. What, what kind of image are you trying to portray? Is it really you? Do I choose who I associate with for their appearance, position, or how it benefits me? That's the questions we need to ask ourselves. Because that's really where pride comes in. It's all about what I want people to think about me and how I think about myself. So, uh, so pride, it, it's, it's, a, it's a monster. Caused a lot of problems in our lives. I know it has in my life. Um, done, done some things that we'll get into that, but, uh, man, pride is, is a monster. 
So I'm going to talk about pride. So what, what is pride? What is pride? Well, pride are these, these four things, I think. Pride. Pride is the philosophy of the world system. Pride is the philosophy of the world system. Um, well, you, you watch TV any time, any, any amount of time, you're going to see this philosophy of the world. Now, it, it, it sounds good, some of the things they say, but there, there is a, a, a spirit that it produces. In 1 John chapter number 2, the apostle John wrote this. He said, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. There's three things that we struggle with. That lust of our desires, lust of the eyes, with things we want, and then that pride, pride of life. It is now the father of the world. The whole, the whole idea that the world puts out there is that I deserve to be happy. I deserve to have and to do what I want. I deserve what I want despite what it costs others or how it hurts them. I am the most important thing, right? That's what the world puts out there. doesn't matter who I destroy in my process of becoming what I want to be. doesn't matter if my kids suffer or my spouse suffers or, or my church suffers. It's I deserve this. That's the philosophy of the world. And, and rightly so, because right, the, the Bible says that Satan is the god of this world. He's the prince of this world. And that was exactly what was in him, right? I. When Isaiah wrote about the king of Babylon, and he wrote these things that the king of Babylon was actually saying, and, and many kings pro- profess these kind of things, but behind that prophecy of the king of Babylon, there was a spiritual power that the New Testament tells us that works in these people of influence. And you can see, though he's talking about a person, there is a spirit there that is giving him these ideas. And in Isaiah chapter 14, the prophet wrote, he says, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? In some translations, it's, it's, it's morning star. Son of the morning. How are you cut down to the ground, you who, were, who weakened the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. But he says, you shall be brought down to Sheol, which is the Old Testament equivalent of Hades, to the depths of the pit. That philosophy of the world comes straight from Satan. It was the first sin. If you think about it, it was the first sin that ever came into God's creation is that sin of pride. And look how much damage it's done. It's a philosophy that's just, it's just, it's all around us. And it's, it's hard to get away from. In 2 Timothy chapter number 2, look how much pride has permeated the, the modern world when, when Paul talks about what the future holds for us. He says this to Timothy. He says, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be, now think, listen to this and see if this is not what is, is in our modern day. Men will be lovers of themselves. There's pride right there, right? Love yourself. Lovers of money. Boasters. Pride. There again. Proud. Blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, 
brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong. There's pride. Haughty. There's pride again. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness. There's that self-image again. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. You, you portray an image that you really don't have. It's not really in your heart. You act like you're spiritual. You act like you're a Christian, but you're really not there. Or you act like you're somebody. You act like you're something, and you're really not. All to convey an image because you want people to be impressed by you. That's pride. Even the most narcissistic people, if you ask them, hey, are you perfect? They'll say, oh, I'm not perfect. But they're saying that out of, uh, out of a false humility because in reality they think they are. Pride. It's philosophy of the world. Secondly, it's opposed by God. It's opposed by God. In James chapter number 4, the apostle uh, James wrote this. He said, but he, that's God, he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud. Man, that word resist is, is like, is the word that, they, that means one army gathers on that side of the mountain and the other army gathers on this side of the mountain. They got the little valley in between and they go fisticuffing. Like drawing the line in the sand. It's to oppose one another. To be in conflict. Now, can you show that first picture? Outside of Jar Jar Binks, man, that is one of the most irritating people I've ever met. I'm sorry, some of you frozen people. I apologize. Please don't judge me or think badly of me. Jar Jar Binks is the close two to this guy right here. Okay? But you know what? If you had a, 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 what's that, rumble, I don't know, I don't even watch that, you know, the WW, whatever, yeah, you know. Now, if you can imagine, in this corner, we have Olaf, you know, weighing in at snow. <laughs> and on this other end, we have, and you put it next, Godzilla. <laughs> can you imagine? Wouldn't be much of a fight on that one. I mean, Godzilla's got like, I don't know, he's got all kinds of cool stuff, man. He's got like a ray beam or something like that, and his scales glow, and he's, he's cool. I'm not talking about the, the old Godzilla back in, you know, I'm talking about like 1990. I'm talking about like the new Godzilla, right? We're talking the new one. That's the real Godzilla. <laughs> all the other ones are fake. Don't believe those. That's the real Godzilla, man. Now, can you imagine that fight? Wouldn't be much to do. I'm not a betting man. I'd be tempted to bet on Godzilla. You know what? You got Olaf's got more of a chance to win in that fight than you do fighting God. You know what? My money's on Olaf. Because you're talking about fighting God. You're talking about God squaring off with you. I tell you, I've had God square off with me, and I tell you what, I, I lost everything. I mean, I, I lost it all. 
God opposes the proud. He's directly at odds. He will have nothing to do with that. In Psalm chapter number 10, it says, it says, the wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. Paul describes in Romans chapter 1 about a, 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 that there's a judgment that God has pronounced on those who choose not to re- retain God in their knowledge and what he's commanded them to do. You know, it, it, in essence, you know, you are your own God is what, you, what we become. That's what I am when I let pride rule my life. I become my own God. I don't need him to make decisions for me or to give me direction or show me what to do. I, I got it all under control, God. I got this. I got this. Now, I like the saying by Dwight L. Moody. He said, God sends no one away empty except those who are full of themselves. You know, maybe why you come to God and like, man, well, God's just not helping me. Well, maybe because you're just, maybe your cup's full of yourself. You got to empty some of that cup and let God come in. It's opposed by God. I'll tell you what, I mean, there's a lot of things, like I said, I've lost in my life just fighting with God about things, about lost my family, everything, you know, just cause, because it's just too proud, too proud. So not only is it opposed by God, it's the philosophy of the world, but also it's a road to trouble. It's a road to trouble. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, it says this, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And there is something about that, that pride. And like I said, you know, a lot of times that we, we think it's, it's the, the more outgoing person, and that's because their pride is, is seen. But us introverts, like myself, I'm a green, it's a little introverted, our pride is simmered. Our pride's on the down and low. Our pride's right here. You might talk like you know, but I think you're stupid. <laughs> you know, just what I I think you don't got any common sense, and I think you're a moron, and that's just, but I don't say that to you, but it's going on right here. Okay? I do say, I do. I'm going to have to, I should have preached this another time. It's going to be rough tonight. Road to trouble. Oh, yeah, yeah, road to trouble. Yeah, road to trouble. That's what it is. All right? Because, um, like I said, you, ha- you have something to prove. What is pride? What is pride? Pride is winning the argument, losing the, fr- the friendship or the relationship. All right? Pride is claiming resolve or strength for not exercising grace or compassion. Pride is not admitting fault for fear of looking weak. Proud people get offended but don't resolve, leave a trail of wounded lives, Forgive with condition. Love the worthy. Hold grudges. 
Proud people just don't play well with others. Road to trouble. Got something to prove. You got an image to keep up. You're going to have trouble. Proverbs chapter 26. It says, do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Now, you got to understand what a fool. In, in the Old Testament, a fool is the equivalent, is the spiritual equivalent of the tax collector in the New Testament. You know what I'm saying? In other words, as the tax collector was physically, you know, Matthew, some translation called publican, right? I mean, he's the worst. He's the bottom of the barrel as far as his social status with people. I mean, he is the worst as a Jewish man being a tax collector. I mean, it's, it's like what we think of the Taliban, you know, of, of terrorists. I mean, this dude is the bottom of the barrel. In the Old Testament, the fool is that spiritually. That's what he is. He is the bottom of the barrel in the spiritual world, the fool. Proverbs has 37 times to talk about the fool, man. He, the fool denies God. The fool doesn't take correction. The fool uh, has, brings sorrow to their parents. The, I mean, the fool is, is, has no common sense. He has no wisdom. He is the bottom of the barrel, Spiritually speaking. But here it says, you see a person who's wise in their own eyes or proud? They think they know what's better for themselves. They think they know what's right. They think they know more than God. There's more hope for a fool than for that person. That's how much damage, man, that pride can be. And that probably get a hold of you that, that you think that you've got to prove something to somebody because maybe you, you don't want people to think about you a certain way or, or, or see you in a certain light and make you do some dumb things, you know? It get on your skin, and get you offended, and all these things because of pride. Pride. I mean, I, there's, there's a, I, I have an issue. I have to struggle. I struggle with and my image. Soft hands. Soft hands. There is a rumor going around this church that I have soft hands. Thank you, George. Thank you, George. So much so that I've got to send people, like Matt, images of my hands to prove that I got a callus on there. Well, it's from the mouse pad. <laughs> But still, I have one. All right? And I got to let that go. I got to let it go. I can't, I can't let that bother me. Right? Now, what are you struggling with? Win an argument with your spouse? Being right in the church? Where do you struggle with in pride? Where's your road? Where's your pride left you? Where's your road to trouble that pride's brought you through? Can't admit you're wrong? Can't forgive? Can't reconcile? Tell you what, a road of pride. I mean, that, that, that road of pride is a road of trouble. This one guy said, a little quote, he said, in general, pride is at the bottom of all great mistakes. I know it has been in my life. 
So pride is the philosophy of the world. Pride is opposed by God. Pride is a road of trouble. And pride blinds one to the truth. Blinds one to the truth. In Galatians chapter number 6, verse 3, it says this, for it says, if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. There's no one else to blame in this deception. A proud person is self-deceiver. He's a self-deceiver. That pride has blinded their view of things, and they can't see the truth. They can't see how things really are. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse 26, Paul says this. He says, for you see your calling, brethren. He's talking about, hey, look at your church. This is the truth. He said, look at your church. Look at all the people in your church. See, you notice there's not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty. That, that's, that, that's the idea of, of influential, important, powerful people. Not many noble. That's high birth, high social standing. Not many people like that in your church. You notice that? Why is that? It's not, that God's not, it's not that God's not trying to call them. It's just because their pride is getting in the way. Blinds them. Jesus, in the book of Revelation, tells the Laodicean church, he says, in Revelation 3, 17, he says, because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked. <clears throat> you know, I know in my pride, I've, I've, I've gone this way and, 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 and been a certain way and just couldn't see just the, the train wreck behind me, and the mess, things falling down around me, blinded by my pride. Now, this is to me is this amazing passage. And Exodus chapter number 8, Exodus chapter number 8, when Moses is Given the you know doing the plagues to to Pharaoh in Egypt trying to get the people out, and and he talks to Pharaoh and and Moses tells um, when it finally comes to the end of the plague of the frogs, Moses finally says to Pharaoh he says here in verses nine through ten he says Moses said to Pharaoh I leave to you okay listen I'm I'm giving it up to you Pharaoh the honor of setting the time for me to pray for you and your officials and for your people that you and your houses may be rid of the frogs except for those that remain in the Nile. So, hey, Moses, I mean, uh, Pharaoh, you tell me the day and time. Tell me whenever, and when you give me the word, when you're ready to get rid of these frogs, I will do it. Right now, when is it? And what does he say? He says, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, Pharaoh said. And Moses replied, it will be as you say. Can you imagine? I'm just trying to put my mind in the idea of what is going on. I mean, you got gazillion frogs all over the place, hopping in everything. I mean, they're in food. They're everywhere. And he says, hey, Pharaoh, when do you want these nasty frogs to be gone? He's thinking, oh, what, what frogs? Uh, they don't bother me. I, I'm not. I'm not affected by the fall. I don't. I don't care. You really didn't get me, Moses. So you can do it tomorrow for all I care. Pride. Pride had him say tomorrow. He'll make you do some dumb things. Blind you to the truth. Now, saying all that depressing stuff. What's the good news? 
Well, you know what? There's, and, and what, what I, who am I? But what, what I see, there, there's four simple, four simple um, truths that you can do, you know, principles, put into practice. The, the, the problem is it, it is a little bit harder to practice than they are simple. But four simple things to do to overcome pride. First is obey the greatest commandment. Obey the greatest commandment. You know, when the, when, the, when the lawyer came to Jesus and he said to him, hey, how can I inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, hey, well, what does the prophets and the law say? And then this is what the, uh, the lawyer replied here in Luke chapter 10, verse 27. He said, he, that's the young lawyer, answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you're right. That's exactly right. You know, start getting your focus off of yourself and start getting that focus on the love of God and love of others. You know, I love that, that verse whenever it's, uh, Jesus said, you know, people will know that you are my disciples because how much you love one another. And you have to understand that at that time that Jesus spoke that, that world was a divided world. There was, it was a world that was divided by the rich and the poor, the slave and the free, Men and women, Jew and Gentile, they were separated by heritage, by culture, social standing, education, religion, gender, political affiliation. They were a divided people. I mean, there, there was all those titles I gave. There would be no reason for those people to ever get together, and under, especially under one roof. But I tell you, the gospel made that possible. And Jesus said, people are going to be amazed by all these people from all these different divisions yet coming together, united, loving one another despite their differences. That's how the world's going to know. That's what Jesus said. Obey the greatest commandment. Love God, love others. Second thing, desire God's will above, above your own. Desire God's will above your own. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments, right? In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord, and with all your heart, and lean not unto your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Now, it's hard for us proud people to do, not to trust in ourselves and our own decision, our own thought, how we think things ought to be. But you've got to put God's will above your own. See, God's will, what what does God say? How does God say to resolve this issue? How does God say I should handle this? What does God say? Desire God's will above all all things, above your own will? Number three, stop comparing yourself with others. Stop comparing yourself with, with other people. What they have, what they do, what they make, where they go, how they look. Stop comparing yourself. Stop comparing yourself with how maybe someone else is treating somebody. You know, okay, it, was, it was a joke. When I, when I walked in, the guys, a couple, couple, three fellas, you know, said, hey, I, I, had, I had walked through because I had my mindset. I'm putting my Bible and my stuff down and getting this crazy contraption ready and make sure. And so when I came back out, they're like, oh, so where are you? You just pass us by. You know, it didn't shake her hand. I said, well, I had more important people to shake hands with first, and I came to the secondary citizens to shake your hand, you know, joking around. So I told him, you want to hear the truth? I told you the truth. 
you know. It was a big laugh. We had a big joke. But you know what? But see, pride is, is that oh, why, why didn't they treat me like they treated them? How come? How come he went to them and shook their hand first before he came to me? Well, believe it or not, that's pride because you're saying I, sh- I should have been the one to get the handshake first before they didn't see that. Stop comparing yourself to other people. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12, he said, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Stop comparing yourself with someone else. Luke chapter number 18, Jesus told this story, right? He said this, he said, um, this parable. He says, and he, Jesus spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. And he said, two men up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee. There's a religious leader. Man, he's uh, you know churchgoer, probably the backup pastor, right? That's him. And there's the other, was a tax collector. There's that guy. That's low life, no good, right? And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like this other guy, other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. It says, in a tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat on his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He says, I tell you, this man went down, this, the, the tax collector went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, and he who humbles himself shall be exalted. All right. Samuel said, God looks on, uh, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. <clears throat> so stop comparing yourself with somebody else. Okay. Compare yourself to Jesus if you want to. That's what you need to do. How do I stand before God? How, how does God look? What, what does God think of me and what I'm doing? And then lastly, exercise the spirit of humility. Exercise the spirit of humility. <clears throat> you know, I joke around and say, you know, I used to have it t- said, you know, I, I'm humble and proud of it. Now, I used to tell people, and I've told you this before, when I got saved, I wasn't the brightest guy. You know, I was only 11. You know, so I was in seventh, eighth grade at the time, and some people were asking me, and, I, and the only word I knew, because I wasn't allowed to go to church, and I, so I didn't know all the lingo. All I knew, all I had was my Bible. Okay, so I would read my Bible, so all, that's all I knew. So all I knew to tell people was I was religious. I didn't, I didn't even know the word Christian, really. I didn't tell people I was a Christian. I didn't even know that word. I just knew I was religious. So I told them, I'm religious. <clears throat> and so, some guys asked me something. I'd say, yeah, and, and I got my words mixed up. And uh, I told him, I said, yeah, I'm, 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 I just want to let you know, I'm, I'm not trying to brag, but I'm, I'm kind of conceited. And he said, really? I said, no, really, I'm, 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 I'm conceited. I thought it was the word humble. I thought that's what that word meant. And I would say, no, I'm, no seriously, I'm conceited. See, I can tell. No, I said, I, but I try. But I am a conceited person. <laughs> uh, you know, I was only 12, man. But how true it was. How true it was. All right. Exercise the spirit of humility. Humble yourselves, he says there in James. Humble yourselves in the sight of God, and he'll exalt you in due time or lift you up. All right, there's a difference between saying, oh, I'm not perfect, because the narcissist will say that, than saying, you know what, I'm responsible for that, and I'm responsible for saying this, and I'm responsible for that bad attitude, and I'm responsible for this argument we had, and I'm responsible for this um, Offensive, but I can't get results. You know, that's different. That's different. 
Anybody can say, oh, I'm not perfect. It's taking responsibility for your actions. Exercise the spirit of humility. Romans chapter 12 says this. It says, for I say, Paul said, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more than highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. Soberly. Compared to being drunk. Right? Being in one's right mind. That's what soberly means, being in right mind. Opposed to being drunk, which means not being in control, being hampered in your judgment. So pride, right? He says, don't be proud. Think of yourself more than you ought to, but be soberly because pride dulls your senses and it doesn't make you make good decisions. So you need to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. All right? Now, I'm not trying to kick you down. I'm not saying you're, you're, I'm not making fun of your unibrow or things like that. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying you can't, you don't think of yourself more than what God expects you to think of yourself as a sinner that's saved by grace. Jeremiah said this. He said in Jeremiah chapter 9, he said, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. That's not saying you're not smart. You, you put some smart people in you. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. There's some pretty powerful, important people. Got some influence. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. Man, I love that. God says, man, don't, don't, don't. It's not wrong to recognize what God's gifted you, you know? I know the beard really brings, pops my, might make my eyes pop out. I know that, right? <laughs> my wife said amen. Thank you, Annie. But seriously, you know what? It's, it's not about, it's not a sin to recognize what God's gifted you. The, th- the idea is that do you recognize what God's gifted you? Battling pride starts these three things right here, man. The first thing, loving kindness. Man, you lead with loving kindness. Judgment, that's not necessarily judgment like on bringing retribution or bringing punishment, but it's the idea of separating right from wrong. So, man, I leave with loving kindness. I separate, this is the right way to answer this kind of conflict I'm having, and this is the wrong way. This is the prideful way. This is the right way to resolve this issue, and this is the prideful wrong way to resolve this. Loving kindness, judgment, and then righteousness. Then you do what's right. Spirit of humility. These four things, I believe, will help us to fight Pride, and I, I'm telling you, I, I'm I'm not. I, I like anybody else. I, I fight pride, and as a green, it's hidden. It's hidden inside, but it's in my heart. It's in my heart. You know, I think I preach better than Doug. You know, and all those things, right? Right. That's all. That's all. That's all the green. That's all the green in me, right? I'm, you know, I'm joking, sorta. <laughs> but seriously, you know. I'm going to tell you this, we're done. I think we got some problems in the church. I think we had some problems in the church because of pride. We let our pride get to us. Let the devil get in there and divide us, get mad at one another, have trouble. Break some hearts. Man, need to stop. Need to stop. Whether it's the backup pastor, pastor, or the pew attender, it doesn't matter. His pride needs to stop. And not let the devil get his foot in his church. 
and divide us and get us mad at one another because we're too proud to maybe admit some fault, admit some guilt, admit that maybe we didn't see things the way it should be. Right? Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Lord, I do, I thank you, God, for uh, just, man, the, the Holy Spirit that is able to take, uh, you know, this, this book and, Lord, just convict our hearts. It's an amazing book. And, uh, Lord, I just pray that your spirit would go th- uh, in our midst and would show us, Lord, where we've let pride um, just not destroy ourselves but others in our wake as we uh, just trod through life, Lord. So I pray you help us, Lord, to really bring that pride under, under subjection and that we might exalt you instead. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.